Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on The Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerdish You Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Welcome to Nerder She Wrote on the Athletic NBA Show. Happy New Year, everybody. We made it. I mean, we're recording this on New Year's Eve, but you guys are hearing it on New Year's Day. Happy New Year. We made it out of 2020, uh, the year that felt like it was never going to end. We are now in our third NBA season of the year. <laughs> this is It's turned into basketball. Uh, I've got Mo, I've got Seth, as always. What's up, fellas? Been a couple weeks. What's up and happy New Year's, folks! 2021, we made it! <laughs> kind of. <laughs> do we do we call this the apertura or the clausura? I, I don't uh, even know what those words meant. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, listen, we're starting out enthusiastically on this podcast, and with good reason, because we were in our pre-show, we were talking about some of the trends that we're noticing early on in the year. I mean, we're just over a week into the season, so no big takeaways, but team enthusiasm seems to be a big differentiator early on in the year. No fans in most of the arenas, and we are getting these really weird games. And Seth, you and I, were we were talking the other day in the group chat, and you mentioned that you feel like the teams that are able to get themselves up for these games are just a little bit more ready. I don't know if it's necessarily the teams that are getting themselves up for the games, but because the the pace of play and the number of threes that teams are taking nowadays, like games are inherently very swingy. Mm-hmm. And without any sort of energy in the building, and this is, I think, a big difference between the bubble, which were pretty small gym, but there's a pretty small gyms they were using, and these big cavernous arenas with tarps over the seats and cardboard cutouts and like a DJ. Um Bringing some juice to the building is tough, and so you get in these big ring, uh, these big runs, and I think without any kind of way to generate that energy, it's a little bit easier for teams to kind of drop the rope, and that's why I think why we're seeing, you know, not a not you know, enormous amount more, but a sizable amount more kind of wire to wire blowouts. I, I also think some of it too is like some coaches that are, are willing to pull the plug a little earlier. Knowing that some of these guys aren't fully well, ready, yeah, this year. guys aren't fully ready. Whole yeah. deal, not you know. I mean, a lot of some of these teams, even with training camp and preseason, even if they were fully together the whole time, haven't had a lot of time together the way you would hope. And but you're right, Seth, in the sense of like just the the enthusiasm can take you a long way, though it can push you and get you going. And 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 I think it's a a big thing we're seeing with some of these teams. And it's something that before I, I kind of worked in, in the league, something from the outside always seemed a little bit like performative, rah-rah kind of BS kind of stuff. And then you see – when you get really close to it, and you guys have both been really close to it, you, you see how that level of kind of of energy and, and focus and – and togetherness, it's everyone jumping up and down on the bench and, and you know, a lot of noise and stuff like that is so important for competing at this level. Um, and, and again, now that, that the t- 
teams are fully responsible for bringing that that energy themselves. Um, I, I think, as you said, that that there are teams that are going to go pretty far this year just based on having that every night. Well, I think the young teams have an advantage here. It's sort of like when we talked about going into the bubble and, and it being an AAU atmosphere and the guys who just were in that recently seem to have an advantage there, I thought, early on. And I think right now they do, too. The, the young guys are having a little bit more fun. The Cavs have been one of my favorite teams to watch so far. And that's part of it, man. Those guys are fired up. They're playing so hard. And you can see, like, their entire bench is connected. It honestly reminds me of the 14, 15, 15, 16 Warriors a little bit, where at every single portion of the game, everyone on the bench seems to be involved with what's happening on the court. I mean, that goes a long way, you know, just having that from your bench. I mean, listen, when we had fans in the arenas and stuff like that, when you'd go into a, a hostile environment, you would always just be like, look, it's just us. You know, and and the bench was the one that had to bring the energy and the guys, you know, we see it sometimes you can see the teams that look unhappy because the bench looks miserable. And then you have the teams that are jumping up and down and super excited. I mean, the Lakers last year were a team. I mean, we've seen it with the Bucks. We've seen it with a lot of teams when things are going well. Everybody's juiced and excited and running around and they're acting like idiots. Let's not be. <laughs> foolish about it sometimes but it's fun well, it's fun but it's fun and it's, yeah, and it's, it's enjoying it and, and and that enthusiasm carries over to the guys on the court and it helps to kind of push them or you know trying to cheer your teammates on when things aren't going well it's it really is this is a season of create your own energy you know for each of these you teams. know uh, the lakers the lakers are another team that are really good at this and it starts with LeBron. Like LeBron being involved, he I don't I don't know if LeBron gets more excited for his own dunks or for other guys' dunks. And I, he kind of sets the tone for that team. And I, I think this is another. It's kind of a hidden advantage that the Lakers have is that they are good at generating their own enthusiasm. They've got great great chemistry, and I think that that plays into it too. That was one thing I know we noticed about them in the bubble is they aren't just bringing energy to their own team. They seemed like they were the most committed team in the bubble to almost intimidation. Also, I mean, you've got you've got they have a lot of guys who'll chirp yes. from the bench, and and that's uh, you know again without without the fans able to bring the hot the hostile atmosphere. Um, maybe that substitutes for some of it. Well, and that might be a way that they missed Dwight a little bit more, you know, than on the court. To be honest with you, uh, as long as they know, got Dudley, as long as they about- got Dudley, they're fine because that dude doesn't stop talking. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> but we, all right, so we can't talk about chemistry and team enthusiasm without talking about the elephant in the league, and that is the Los Angeles Clippers. And since you know, about this time last year, we were discussing the fact that we felt they were too cool for school scared to try hard. I don't know why, but that's how we felt. And it it played out that way. I don't know if it would have played out that way without a hiatus, but that's how it played out. Uh, Mo, I'm going to start with you. I think the Clippers look a lot better. Am I, am I crazy? Am I reading the wrong tea leaves? No, I think you're, you're right on. I mean, here, let's just put it to you this way. Kawhi Leonard takes a nasty elbow from Ibaka, sits the game, has eight stitches in his mouth, plays, you know, on Wednesday night in the post-game press conference, makes a joke about it, you know, with with his weird face masks and, and said Ibaka said he looked like Leatherface. And he said, anybody who makes fun of me is on the trading block, you know, and yes, Serge is on the trading block. <laughs> he made a joke. It was Kawhi. He made a yeah. joke. Well, well, Kawhi is the funniest guy. Yeah, okay, sure. Come on. Sure. Let's, let's uh, unintentionally, unintentionally because of his no. robot's dryness. But like, no, but like, <laughs> but my point is, though, 
you're seeing a lot of that stuff from them in that sense. You're seeing a lot more enthusiasm. The other thing you're seeing, and this is something they didn't have last year, and this has been a criticism of Kawhi for a while, you're seeing a little bit more leadership from him. You're seeing him more involved and more engaged. One of my biggest criticisms of LeBron's first year with the Lakers when it was just him and the kids, you know, was he did not look engaged with this team. He didn't look locked in. He didn't what we're talking about the way he looked on the bench this past year was not him the year before. He just looked like he well, he didn't want to get attached because he was going to trade all those guys. Whatever. He just if you're coming in as LeBron, you got to have that, you know, you have that stigma and I think it's right. one of those things. And I think that's the same thing that happened with Kawhi last year was he was very you know, detached from the team. And this year he looks like he's pulled in more and it's, and it's, I think going to pay off for them in the long run. Well, Ty Lue, he managed those Cleveland teams really, really well, I thought. And a lot of what I've seen from LeBron the last you know year and now this season in LA, I thought Ty Lue did a really great job of in Cleveland. And maybe that's part of what's happening with the Clippers. You know, maybe Ty Lue is actually like, bringing a lot of that enthusiasm to the job instead of, you know, being the older veteran coach that doesn't want to have practice and is just going to kind of let you do what you want. That's a good thing. I think he's coaching those guys. I But, but no, this is a good thing overall um, for, for the, for the Clippers, but I think for the, for the league in general, obviously it's, it's an odd experience, you know, for the viewer at home. Um, but the blowouts are going to be an issue. And so I wonder if there's some way for the league to, to sort this out. I don't know how to do it. How do you get teams up so you don't have blowouts? Um, and, and like you said, pulling the plug, that's going to be a thing that just happens a lot this year because you've got a compressed schedule. The, I keep citing this, but the Jazz are playing 37 games in 71 days. Yeah. And I'm sure every other team is very similar. I just know those numbers off the top of my head. Um, it is going to be tough. We're going to see, I'm assuming, I, I think we're going to see another 50-point win in this in the season. It's probably going to be Atlanta or Brooklyn that hangs it on somebody. <laughs> or gets it hung <laughs> Or gets it hung <laughs> Given the defense that, that, they, that either team... Uh, yeah. Well, look, all right. It, I guess it's that time of year. Uh, we're in small sample... Theater, prime time, part of the calendar. Uh, so we thought we'd have a little fun and jump in on that. Um, we're raising eyebrows very early, admittedly very early. But there's a few teams that I think, you know, um, the early returns are not great. And I, I, I think we got to start with New Orleans. Yep. They are not looking like the team we thought they would be. And, and, Honestly, man, it starts with Zion to me. Zion's defense, interesting. Zion's defense is still just atrocious. Really? I don't know. It's not good. That's, it's interesting you say that because that's one thing I've kind of picked out is his he, – he maybe isn't always in the right spots, but his activity level is so much higher than it was. It is year. higher, but it's still it, bad. Yeah. And he's still – there are still plays where he like – it's almost an arm wave. It's not even that. Yeah. Mo, Mo shaking it's, his it's head. It's not even that. It. It's, it's – it's, <laughs> it's, I just – I did a video on it earlier in the week. But like there is a play where this DeJounte Murray is driving to the elbow and shooting. Now, <laughs> Zion is not guarding his man one pass away. He is close enough to affect the shot of Murray and just stands there 
Like that's not activity. That's just chilling. Like that's just, just garbage, you know? And that's the stuff that's like, that's the things where do one thing or the other. Don't just stand there. You know, I get it. If, what are we saying? 20% of possessions. He's even getting into like a stance of, of some sort. I mean, like ready. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's the off ball stuff. That's a problem for him. It's his, inability of just get into the spots and, and and maybe it's a recognition thing or whatnot. But the way I look at it, it's like we talk about him we're like, oh, he's young, he's young, he's young. At a certain point, he has to learn it because he's building these habits now. And if we continue to ex- give him the excuse of he's young, when he's old, we're going to say nobody ever taught him. So I'm not I'm not OK <laughs> with this. You have to start. You have to start now. I don't know if I'm the if I'm a player in that circumstance, it sounds pretty great. That, yeah, that's it's great for deal. the player until, until, he, until he demands a trade because the team's not winning because he doesn't play any defense. <laughs> this is this is really interesting because when I've when I've watched New Orleans stuff that I've picked up on that was like especially the off ball, like getting his hands on on passes and and and, and stuff like that. That's stuff that I've noted that was different. So it's, it might just be, you know, again, early sample size. The games you've caught have been one way and the games I've caught have been another. And that that maybe speaks to kind of consistency of effort, which is, you know, as big a problem as, as you know, as it – oh, so you can do it. You're which just is even worse. Not to tonight. <laughs> right. not exactly a, yeah. So what, it's not exactly a, a – And their, by I, the so way, I, and their I, defensive I, results are, are have been mostly fine, right? Like they, they have a top 10 defense right now. But the, I think the process is bad. Um they're, the offense, I, I don't even know what's happening. So he, this is something I was I was talking about with uh, with a, a guy who covers the the, the Pelicans, uh, Shamadua, um, uh, and we were uh, their starting lineup doesn't make a lot of sense because they they're, they're starting their five best players, but they're five guys who want to play three different ways. Like Lonzo and Zion want to get up and down. Uh, Bledsoe kind of wants to, you know, run the pick and roll. Maybe Stephen Adams kind of wants to run the pick and roll. Uh, and Brandon Ingram wants to ISO. And so they, it's kind of like which version of the offense are they running with those five guys? And it doesn't, it never seems like it totally makes sense. And then they go to a, a bench unit that just doesn't have really any, any sort of enough creation. And so it, it seems to me that, that, you know, I've kind of enjoyed them most when they've kind of let Lonzo initiate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you but know, then it's, you're it's at a disadvantage. Given, yeah, well, it, it's it's hard it's hard to do because of you know contracts and status. But like putting like Josh Hart in the starting lineup and let, letting Bledsoe really just like you know whether it's Adams or Jackson Hayes or whoever, just spread pick and roll the second unit with with you know with uh, with Redick out there just seems like it makes more sense than. These five guys who don't really vibrate at the same frequency. Yet. Well, and Josh Hart at least theoretically spaces the floor, right? Which helps them quite a bit. And, and you know, all of this goes back to the the Adams Zion pairing. I think it is a little bit funkier. It's great for rebounding, but it's a little bit funkier to fit the other pieces around them. I mean, I would I would expand that into and to say the entire front court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ingram. Is, yeah, I th- I think any two of those three work together, right? But the three of them together is kind of is, is kind of is kind of kludgy. But they can't play I, like they can't play without yeah. without Adams though. That's the thing, right? <laughs> and so because right. they'll never they'll, they'll never stop anybody with, I, with Ingram I, at the floor. I yeah, I think yeah. their issues though too is they're still figuring each other out, you know. And it's sure. still a whole thing like 
This is a, and it's also well. That's why this is too yeah, early now. But it's also a new coach, right? And it's like figuring out Stan <laughs> right. Van Gundy's system and what, and he's figuring out these guys. It's one thing to watch them and, and broadcast and call the games and things like that, but now that you're seeing them in practice, getting the understanding of who can do what and and things like that, like that's where it's becoming interesting for him. And and maybe they're going to be they'll probably be better down the road, but like as everybody else will. But it is interesting early on, like. Just, just some of it just kind of doesn't make sense. Like I know, you know, Seth's really big on, on on Lonzo. I'm more afraid of his inconsistencies, you know, and 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 things like that. So it's like that's the kind of stuff, you know. I'm I'm curious about with this team. He, he's a competent passer, though. I get it. I completely. Oh yeah, get it. I understand he's a competent it. Competent passer. It's yeah. just I don't I don't trust it. I mean, even even in the Christmas Day, well, right? He was great in the first yeah. half. I don't remember a play he made in the second half, except when he reached on Goran Dragic, who went behind the back for a layup. Like the, it's, it's the that's what I'm talking about a little bit. Though they do again, the, some of the the problems they have had defensively have been with Lonzo off the floor, and they haven't been they're playing bad half court defense. It's that, that they're giving up so much transition because their offense is so mm-hmm. junky in those lineups. And so they're getting the ball kind of run back. Down. And that was where they, you know, you talk about the Christmas day game like that. They lost that game because they gave up a bazillion transition points. And, and that wasn't like, it wasn't that necessarily they weren't like running back hard. It's just that their offense was ending in such bad ways that they were facing unbalanced floors a lot. Um, and Mo has started a video series that he's going to do every week on Twitter. It's his pinned tweet right now. Go to Mo Dakil underscore NBA. Check that out. He just did a little video on Zion's defense and the issues with it. Speaking of stuff Mo just did, Mo just wrote a piece (laughs) on the the next team that we are raising our eyebrows uh, at. And Mo thinks that Toronto needs to trade for James Harden immediately. Mo, I agree with you. Do it. Yeah, no, it's I wouldn't have said this, I think, at the start of the season. I think early on, I was like, there's no good teams for him, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, and, I, and I believe that. Then I watched how bad the Toronto Raptors offense has been. <laughs> and it's been terrible in the half court, especially in it's the rough. half court. Like, it's, it, it's the worst offense it, in the league. It's the worst offense in the league. Worst, They have the worst free throw attempts. They're at like 13.3 as of now. I think they play the Knicks tonight, so that's going to go up. Of course, you know tonight they're going to drop like 140 because of all this. Of course. The the issues are still there. And this is an issue that was a problem last season. Their half-court offense was a problem. You know, they got a lot in transition last year. This year they're not even getting out in transition as much because they're still trying to figure out, you know, how to make up for the losses defensively of Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka. And it's not that their defense is bad, but they're just not getting out in transition. And that's why mm-hmm. I'm just like, look, this is why they got to make that move and 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 trade for James Harden. I think this is a, a, a no-brainer. I mean, the fact is James Harden's going to double their free throw attempts on his own. You know? <laughs> well, and and this – by the way, these aren't new problems though, no. offensively. They, they're, they struggled in the half court last season. It was probably what undid them in the playoffs. I mean, they, they've had this issue since Kawhi left. And you made a great point of uh, pointing that out in, in your piece. Um, Pascal Siakam is miscast in the role that they've got him in. I, I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that at this point. I don't get the hang up for, for people who you know follow the Toronto Raptors. I, I think James Harden would fit beautifully there. Seth, you, 
Like playing next to uh, Kyle. Uh, no, I think he's. I think he's great for that team. I think he's. He's actually. First off, they have the experience of bringing in a guy who they don't have to worry about too much in terms of culture. They're just going to do their thing, and he, he buys in great. If he doesn't, they're just going to keep playing their way. And and when he's in the game, they'll go one on one. You know, and that's kind of his. The mo, and I think with Lowry, he's going to get more shots for Lowry. He's going to get more shots for Van Vliet. Open looks, you know, and Van Vliet's struggling right now as well. I think it just kind of opens things up here and allows them to to attack. But they, I mean, they, I just can't say it enough, man. Their offense in the half court sucks. <laughs> they are, according to Cleaning Glass, and non garbage time, and non garbage time is more important this year than it's ever been. Uh, look at these things. They are 29th. Uh, the only team that is worse than them in the half court offense is. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, no, I, I'm just, I'm thinking of, of, so, you know, you, you suggested kind of a framework for the deal, Mo, which was like Siakam and Norm Powell for Harden and trying to, to figure out what that team looks like. And they, I mean, yeah, their offense gets better, but like what do they have around to both you know that i think that takes away a fair amount from their defense and then they do they have enough shooting well i think you know with lowry and van vliet you have solid shooters in that in that regard i think ojana nobi's uh a guy that bounces that they also get back pj tucker so that's another guy that can help stretch the floor in, in in my framework of stuff you know i i am a little bit worried about defense but what's the point it doesn't matter right now if you're if you can't score more than ninety five points a game, yeah. you know you're, <laughs> you're you're not stopping te- you're not holding teams to ninety not these days. Well, and you know this is the- yeah, but but I was just gonna say, but acknowledging that this is kind of, this would is would be doing their big offseason move next offseason now. Well, the upper like yes, the free agent class doesn't look great next year now that everyone's signed extensions. Um, but that still like opens up trade uh, trade avenues, and it's still is that does that make you good enough for the next two years to justify to, the cost? To justify well, the cost, yeah. Now, if it like you know, if the deal is just Siakam and Powell, it, sure. But now, if you're if you like, we're starting to talk about like multiple first rounders and stuff like that. Is the well, I mean, like, look at it. Squeeze? My question to you: If you're Toronto, okay, you don't make this trade. Next season, you don't re-sign Kyle Lowry because he's up this year, right? Like you're, you. Yeah. What yeah. are you? Who are you bringing in next year that's going to make you that much better? Like, there's not a lot. I mean, unless we're, there's always disgruntled stars and things like that. But if you're not going to make the move now to open your window for the next two years, I think you have a better chance with James Harden as your as your number one guy instead of trying to make Pascal Siakam your number one guy when we have enough evidence that he's not a number one guy. You know, and I think that's kind of the the framework of the deal for me. And I get it. You're giving up draft assets because, yeah, it's probably going to take at least one first round pick, if not multiple, to get James Harden. But I think you just got to be willing to make those runs. And we know that they're going to do it. They took risk to get Kawhi Leonard. Now, granted, Kawhi's a two way player and all that stuff. I still look at it this way. You're not going to get another guy who can literally walk out of the strip club and give you 44 and 17. <laughs> you literally did that. <laughs> no, and I, and I get what you're saying, but this is this is the thing that underpins all these hard discussions. Is he is going to be, you know, he has two years left on his deal. He's going to be 33 at the start of the, the first season of his next contract, 
And so like how the window with like matches up, like, can you, if you make this deal, can you put enough around him in the next two years to, or is, or are you better off just, you know, okay, well, let's flip it over and start again. And I don't like, that's a, that's a bigger question because that talks, that's, that's as much a question of organizational Mm -hmm. goals as it is like best strategy, but you know, or the question is, are they close enough for that to, for that to, to matter? closer. Right now they're not, I don't yeah, even think, know. I mean, they're probably a playing team right now with the, how the, how the well, East is. Maybe, the, maybe their best chance is to lose the plan and win the right. lottery. And, and, <laughs> right. You know, yeah. Put, put Cade Cunningham on this team, put Jalen Suggs on this team. But, but, but if right. they want to win, if their goal is, Hey, we want to be competitive. We want to win. We want to make a run at it again. This is the only way for me that you can do it. If you don't, that's fine. And it's like you said, it's an organizational thing of goals, and they're going to think super long term. That's fine. Are they? Are they a stealth take candidate? They, uh, to me, they are. Like, are it's we? It's all start- about Lowry. Listen, yeah. If if, if, they if move Lowry, Lowry starts missing, or or if Lowry starts, you know, missing games with knee soreness or or stuff. Well, like I mean, that. like if you're not going to try this yeah. year, they might as well move Lowry. Get something for him. I mean, that's the thing. If you're not going to really make a run at it, get something for him. I mean, I know the Clippers need a point guard. I don't know how they get there, but I I apologize. I apologize to Toronto on behalf of Mo. No, Um, I'm making them better. I'm making them better. (laughs) I'm making them better. What do they want? I'm trying to help them. Sorry, guys. If that doesn't doesn't please you, I don't know what will. All right. One more team that that we're raising our eyebrows at early on, and this was a conference finals favorite to me uh, before they, before they didn't re-sign Jeremy Grant. Uh, Denver Nuggets have the third worst defense in the league. Um, that's not going to get it done, man. They they don't look like a contender right now. Even though Jokic looks like an MVP candidate, that team doesn't look very good. I mean, those of us who are optimistic about the Nuggets before the season, that's me, uh, mm-hmm. were kind of all in on, yeah, that's Jamal Murray now from the bubble. And that kind of hasn't been. And, you know, he 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 missed a game with – was it concussion protocol? He yeah, missed a game. so he had, yeah. he had a bad first game, had two yeah. good games, but left the third game with the, yeah. with the head thing. Yeah, <laughs> with a head. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I always love that. Like I love that from football when I say he he missed the game with an ankle. It's like sure, um, but yeah, yeah. He, he is not Bubble Murray. Yeah, and that's and they 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 kind of need that. I still I'm not sure how much of it is missing Jeremy Grant. Still, I still think that that's like over the course of the season that's going to be a thing that is more a playoff matchup detriment mm-hmm. than something that you know is gonna is gonna hurt them in the regular season. It's not just Grant though. They lost yeah. Tory Craig. Tory Craig was a big part of their defense. Um, yeah, he came off the bench, but in I mean, the regular was, season, especially in the regular season, right? He ate up a lot of important defensive minutes for them. And now it's you know, hey, PJ Dozier, go go try to be Tory Craig for us. Um, you know, hey, Will Barton, guard that guy. And it's just it's not the same. They don't have the personnel now. Also, Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, you know, oh, okay. but they, the one thing too that I did like about the Nuggets so far that's helped them a little bit with the Jeremy Grant stuff is Will Barton's back, which they didn't have in the bubble, mm-hmm. and he's looked pretty good. He's been helpful, 
you know, I, not yeah. Offensively, it's great, right? And 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 he's making up for that loss there. I think they're going to get Jermichael Green back any day now, uh, in, in in the way things are setting up. And that was a big acquisition for them in the off season. But it is worrisome, right? Like Jokic is playing at a very high MVP level, eighteen assists in one game, and you know it's it's almost the opposite of Toronto. What's it matter if you can't stop anybody? I mean, and it's. Jokic, to a certain degree, and while he, I will tell you this, he looks in great shape. He is making plays defensively, but he's just not good enough as a defender to be your backline guy. Millsap is doing his best. I think Millsap has actually looked way better than he looked in the bubble, um, but they just don't have the bodies. Are we overreacting to uh, let me let me throw some stats? This is, this well, we're is the, certainly overreacting. Yeah, way. well, opponents are right now shooting forty three point four percent from three against them. Yeah, forty forty eight point nine percent from the corners. A little bit of bad luck. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the funny thing about about these like early season things. It's like okay, if opponents were shooting like forty. You know, forty-one percent from three. You'd be like, "Oh, we're worried about their defense." They're shooting forty-four, almost forty-three and a half percent from three, and it's just like, okay, that's such an obvious outlier that you know that'll come back to normal. And so it's almost like I'm I'm easy, more easily able to justify like it'll it'll work itself out because it's been so bad. Then if it was even just a little bit worse, it would be like, well, that might be where they are, and that sucks. Um, so I don't, I don't know how to, how to, you know, think my way around that, but that, that's, that's just something that that's a, a trap I find myself in like every year. The other time. thing too, I wonder is how much are they suffering from a bubble hangover? You know, Western conference finals, it's not that far from, you know, when they played and things like that. And, and, you know, Murray in particular, who, who's maybe, maybe we agree a little bit slow, but like, I think some of that has to take a role for some of these teams. It's not, you know, a few of these teams I look at, I'm like, man, they look like they're still a little tired. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever. And that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high value customers, drive higher revenue and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 that's linkedin.com slash NBA show 23 for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn sales navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash NBA show 23 and get started. By the way, uh, honorable mention to the Dallas Mavericks who I would love to raise eyebrows at, but um, we kind of told everyone that this is what they were going to look like early on without Porzingis. Like they really just don't, they don't have their team together, so um, I, this isn't really surprising. Although Luca's Luca's three point shooting is certainly that's uh, scary, man. Not this great. is how many more? How long are it's we going to start? Great. You know, it was a problem last year. I mean, at what point are we going to start yeah, panicking? He's, well, he's well. Hold on, he's never. He, that's the thing. He's never been like a uh, a great three point shooter. He's never even really been a good three point shooter. Right. 
He's a high he's volume a guy, and he takes he's, tough shots. Yeah, he's, he's high volume and takes tough shots, but he's never been a guy that like, oh, he's going to just knock down threes to beat us. He's going to be a guy who's going to take and make tough threes at times. But so. And he's not going to shoot 9% or whatever he's shooting yeah. for the whole season. I, so that'd, that'd be, be amazing though. And, would, and he kept going. Yeah. That'd be yeah. Westbrookian. Actually, yeah. they, they'd have to change it. Well, that would be. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, one, one more topic that we wanted to talk about. Uh, we missed out on talking about this last week when it was kind of in the news, but um, the NBA is considering expansion, which we talked about during the hiatus as a way for them to, you know, not just add two new teams, but also to get some cash coming in. Um, NBA franchises worth a lot of money wouldn't be wouldn't be awful to get like three billion dollars in cash just pumped right into the league. I, I feel like that would be something good. But from an on the court perspective, there are just a lot of guys that can play basketball. The league can support two more teams. I, am I crazy here, guys? No, this that's been one of my real big takeaways for, you know, kind of despite the uh the blowouts, or maybe even because of the blowouts, is like these deep bench guys come and it's like, hey, I like that guy. You know, these guys who aren't even in rotations are 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 competent players on 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 most teams now. And it's there are so few teams giving minutes, giving real minutes to to just, you know, non-NBA level players. It's it's dropped. That even that seems like it's dropped precipitously from even two or three years ago. There's just like so many of the young guys are are really kind of coming into their own and becoming like maybe not even stars, but like that's a guy who can play There's- now. Like you, you the Hawks have been a been a a good start to the season, and yeah, Trey's been great, but it's been as much about like Herder, Hunter, and Reddish mm-hmm. being so much better this year than they were last year. And you know, Hunter was was the you know, Reddish had some moments defensively, but Hunter was not NBA rotation caliber this year. He's looked pretty good this year. Um, Herter has, has, you know, there's been games where, you know, as bad as the Hawks' second unit was last year, Herter has run their second unit and it's been, you know, it's it hasn't just held serve. It's like expanded leads because they've been as effective. And, and that's just a microcosm of stuff we see around the league. I mean, you've talked about the Cavs earlier, like Darius Garland. It's a good player. He's good. <laughs> yeah. Who knew? Shock. I mean, it, it, you know, a knee, uh, you know, a substantial knee surgery is a two, yeah. yeah, two year injury. Like, I mean, it's, it's that's something. It's kind of known, but he was bad enough last year that you were a little bit worried. And now he looks like it. He looks every inch in NBA. Well, I just, well, I mean, go ahead, I just Mark. look at it in Sorry. the sense of just the league is just so talented and so loaded with young talent across the board. I mean. We're talking about all these guys. I mean, you look at Miami and you have Tyler Hero still 20 years old and we don't know what he's going to become, but he's got some talent. Obviously, Bam and and Duncan Robinson and those guys. But like just across the board, there's just a ton of young talent. So to me, when it's like, okay, can we expand this to, you know, 32 teams? You know, I'm like, yeah, we can. And here's the other thing. Even if we have a little bit of drop off in how good all these teams are. In the long run, it's going to be fine. You know, it's 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 okay if people are people will complain and go, "Oh, it's a watered down league or whatever." That's fine. That's fine. It, the league is not getting less. Yeah, talented. Two or three years from now, we're going to be fine. You know, and look at the draft class the, we have coming. You know, I mean, people, uh, look at the next three years. Well, I could, I only, I barely can look at this one, Dave. The, don't, the next don't three years my, of draft classes. Damn it, Dave, you're ruining my points by making you're a better one. Nuts. Damn it, stop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like I've, you know, just with so much talent. 
you know, and, and it seems like more often we're finding, you know, teams are finding talent out of the second round even, you know, and these second round guys are, are coming in and having an effect their rookie year. So I think there's a lot of, you know, room for, for the league to grow into 32 teams. And, you know, maybe there's a drop off for one or two years. I don't even think there would be. But even if there is, I don't think there will even be. Even if there is, it's not a big deal. Brooklyn can bring five guys off the bench who would start for half the league. That is an insane amount of depth. Well, they now, bring they at least can, one they guy will off play the bench. Defense. You can start for them. We can talk about that. Like that's yeah. that, that's going to be one of the the interesting subplots of the season is like how fast Brooklyn realizes that like anything you want to care about, Jared Allen's better than DeAndre Jordan. Oh, it's already happening, by the way. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's, you like, know, he, he about closed. It on the ding, a, yeah, he, he closed the other day, but just like um, one thing we should flag about Jared Allen, by the way, is his—he's a guy whose whose skill level is is perhaps underrated. Like he doesn't have shooting range, but you compare like them just running pick and roll versus him and DJ. You can throw the ball at Jared Allen on the short roll. He'll catch the ball. He'll make passes. And then, like defensively, it's just it's it's night and day. Like yeah, they well, had, and DeAndre Jordan uh, really isn't even catching passes right now. So, yeah. Um, so, all right. I mean, let, let's go back to expansion. So, if they expand, right? Like Seattle's a no-brainer. There are probably five other cities that make a ton of sense. Yeah. Second they're, team they're, in Chicago. I mean, well, you have Milwaukee. Why not? Come right? on, man. First, first team. First team in <laughs> Chicago, maybe. <laughs> you know, but Louisville has an arena. Kansas City. So this all could come together incredibly fast. It was baked into the last CBA. Like the, the mechanism is already there. Uh, I would not be surprised if going into the summer, we start hearing a lot about expansion. Cause I think that the league knows that they've got, they've got the room to do it and that they would benefit. Right, well, where, where do you guys want the second team to go? We know Seattle's a, a no brainer. Where would you pick, pick, don't shrug, Dave, don't shrug at the end of the year. I mean, I, I like, I like Louisville um, just because I, you know, you could have like a little ABA throwback. Um, maybe you, you have the Kentucky Colonels. I don't know. Colonels. I don't know the backstory of that. So if it's problematic, please don't, <laughs> don't blame me for that. But I, I think that there's a lot – like there are a lot of places that you could do it. Um, Kansas City is a good option. Um, just don't put it somewhere – and no offense because everyone knows I love Virginia. But Virginia Beach is not a place for a – professional sports well, way, to, way to be like Seth in our draft last episode by selecting more than just take more, more than one Seth yeah. can you pick one can you pick one team one city you want one in one um I mean I think that the NHL has shown that you can you can do Vegas um so that's I mean the the obvious one that's out there is you go Seattle Vegas and move but Memphis the TV to the deal East. I don't the TV I, the TV deal in Vegas I think is I don't great. think you get Vegas because here's the yeah. thing and we all saw it because we've been to summer league more than enough. Las Vegas is a Laker town, plain and simple. Even if they get a new team, more than any it, it, for NHL, I don't know who they cared for before that, you know. But we know what's hockey. I think is what they cared. I for. mean, they were just happy to have <laughs> a pro team, you know. And yeah. then the NFL came, and I'm sure they. Who even knows how they'll deal with the Golden Knights afterwards? But the the city I really want, and this is more just me personally. But I want Vancouver. Let's just make a little nor- actual Northwest division, you know, and 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 let's go back He's to so Seattle. close to Seattle. Screw it. Let's go back to Seattle. Let's go back oh, to Vancouver. Those- let's go through the whole the whole thing with Portland. Put Minnesota in that division. Move Memphis and New Orleans east. We're done. 
I just want to be able to go so I can get to, some good food. You don't have in to Vancouver. move two teams. You only have to move one team. So it'll probably be no. If you add two teams to the guess. West, you'd have to move. Then you need to move to one to the East. Just one. Yeah. Just yep. one. <laughs> no, right, we, wait, 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 no, 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 hold on, no, 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 because no. okay, because there's 15 and 15, then there'd be 17 and 15, and you move one, and there's 16 and oh, 16. Okay, touche. Yeah, yep, yep. I had my, I have my abacus here. You can, <laughs> you can see me slide the, the beat up. Um, no, I. So I'll say that the Vancouver idea. If you ever, if anyone who's like you know lived in around the Pacific Northwest, um, the MLS little mini rivalry between Portland, Vancouver, and Seattle is great. Those are like there is genuine hate. like sympathy, <laughs> hate, yes, between the, the between the hate. between the fans there. That that is that is something you don't always get a ton of in in NBA, and that might add a little bit of spice to something. So I, I'll you know, um, and I we can I don't, I don't hate that idea. No, we can solve the naming issue. Send the Grizzlies name back to Vancouver. Memphis takes the hustle from their G League team, and then they just make up another name for the G League team. Yeah, yeah no, solved. I mean, we got – there, we've, we've solved it. Here you go, Adam. Yep. You're welcome. Seattle Someone and Vancouver. $2 billion. I'll, I'll buy a team A couple of guys, you know, pony uh, up the money. We're good. Uh, good talk, guys. <laughs> all right, Mo. Uh, as, we, as we wrap, what are you looking at this next week? I'm looking at a couple of things, but one thing I'm really paying attention to is just rotations and how teams are, are – doing it and and listen i think it's going to be a fluid thing all year i think some teams are still in the early experimental stage of how they want to play who they want to start who they want to bring off the bench i think you know the lakers did it in their portland game and were playing montrez harrell down the stretch and then realized they couldn't and then went to somebody else so i think this is going to be a thing we're going to see across all teams how, how they deal with their rotations yeah uh seth uh, I'm continuing to look at Kevin Durant. Um, his first couple games, it was it was sort of uh, like the scoring was great, the shooting was off the charts, the everything else was I don't know. And then the other night against Atlanta, it's just like okay, that's that's what tier one Kevin Durant looks like. Now you leaven that by saying that Atlanta didn't play the lick of defense at all. So like a lot of people looked good in that game offensively, but still I'm just like, you know, the difference between Kevin Durant as the, one of the two, three fifth best players in the league and Kevin Durant, you know, the the 10th or 12th best player in the league is, especially with Dinwiddie gone for the year. That's the difference between them being a real contender and not. So really being nitpicky about that is what I'm going to continue to be watching for. Uh, for me, I'm watching Jalen Brown. Offensive leap. Uh, this is, uh, by my count, the second offensive leap he's taken in the last year. Because he took one last season and, and it kind of went unnoticed because Jason Tatum was just insane, especially in that month of January. Um, Jalen Brown has become a complete offensive player. He he solved his handle issues. Um, and he doesn't get fancy with it, which is totally fine, by the way. A lot of rudimentary ball handlers, and he's beyond rudimentary, but there have been a lot of successful guys who didn't have a lot of flash to their handle. And Jalen doesn't have a lot of flash, but he certainly has a lot of sizzle. Um, that guy is really good. His jumper looks insane. Uh, he's hitting the mid-ranger, which is a superstar shot. And I'm wondering if Jalen Brown isn't the next guy that we say, oh, Okay, that that guy is maybe a tier two guy 
knocking on the door of something else. So remember earlier when you talked about something being like so outliery that you just know yeah, it's, yeah. it's like uh, Jalen Brown is shooting 71% uh, kind of 10 to 16 feet and 68.8% from 16 Totally feet to sustainable. Going to do totally it all year, Seth. Going to do it all it's year. Also, yeah. It's yeah, also so, good process. So, We're starting the year yeah. on a positive note. But, Again, so let me, let, me, let me add to that. He is shooting 67.7% from the foul line. So – Something it's got to give somewhere. So you got to pay needs, the devil somewhere. Yeah, obviously, he needs, no, he needs to be moving around more on his foul shots. Is what <laughs> this is, is like. He needs to no, treat I, him like I a catch and shoot. You know, not like not disagreeing with anything Dave says, but this is a little bit of a, you know, as as captain pump the brakes, guys. I'm saying, and I'm considered the grouch the on this podcast, right. huh? <laughs> how uh-huh. did that happen? That is that that's is, the more that amazing is. thing. I have no idea what yeah. uh, how the how it got turned, but somehow I'm the grouch on the podcast, and Seth is Mister Happy Go Lucky. But uh, as for Jason, what the hell as, for, as for Jalen Brown, <laughs> I honestly think he should just shoot the free throws right off the catch when the referees pass him the ball. <laughs> Absolutely, a hundred percent. You know, Clay Thompson used to do that. I, I've done that with players that struggled at the free throw line. I don't think it's mental for him. I really think it's mechanical, but. Um, Either way, I'm watching Jalen Brown, playmaker Jalen Brown. Oh, he's there. Now you're going fun to watch. Uh, That's going to do it for this week. We'll be back next week with with another show. Uh, Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show. Sign up. Tell Seth that you love his work. Uh, Hop on the app. Send us some comments about the show. And uh, go check out Mo's article over at Bleacher Report on Toronto needing to trade for James Harden. Till next week, for Seth, for Mo, I'm Dave. Take care. Happy New Year.